Hello. Welcome to Trying Times, where two comedians tackle the sport they love that doesn't always love them back. AKA rugby. I'm Niamai. And I'm Jack Dolan. And we're two diehard fans who need more friends to talk rugby with. So we plan on using any excuse to talk rugby with people we vaguely know. And we're looking to see who's a patron of the game or a bandwagon fan looking for a good time or just really hate the sport. And to show you what we're all about, we're going to kick off today's episode with our first guest. Please give a warm welcome to your co-host and mine, Mr. Nehemiah. Nehemiah began doing stand-up comedy in Scotland in 2014 and has performed his unique brand of racially infused humour on numerous stages across the world, entertaining audiences with his colourful stories, including the relentless mispronunciation of his name. In September 2019, he moved to Dublin, immersing himself in the local Irish comedy scene. In his time in Ireland, Nia has made it to the final of a number of comedy competitions, including the Cherry Comedy Breakout Act of the Year and Dublin's Next Top Comic. He's performed at multiple festivals, including the Kilkenny Cat Laughs, Seen and Heard, and the Paddy Power Comedy Festival. He's the resident host at Crash and Burn Comedy, a weekly new material night, and Comedians Without Borders, a monthly international comedy night. Nia will often be found backstage at gigs, sporting a rugby jersey and talking rugby to anyone who stands still long enough. He is a fanatic. Here is our chat with Nia about all things rugby. So, uh, Jack, how's your week been? It's been okay. It's been good. It's been uh, started off, uh, the week's been kind of busy and long and I'm tired now, but it's been good. I had a gig on, I had a gig on Sunday that went pretty well. That's and- great. Yeah, it was. It, it felt a bit like Lancer playing in the RDS. You know, there was an awful lot of polite smiles and polite nods. Not a huge amount of noise, but uh, it was very enjoyable. You know, I got a lot of nice words afterwards. I think it's a bit like some Lancer games. You wish people would just get a bit more, you know, yeah, like, yeah. And get a bit more excited. But uh, I don't know. What can you say? It was a good week. How was your week, Neil? Yeah, it's been all right. Uh, I did uh, a few gigs. Uh, like I did two gigs on on Tuesday. Um, so I did the crunch, the comedy crunch, a great room, and then I did the hey penny afterwards. Um, which was like the total contrast. So because uh, crunch, everyone was packing packs, sweaty, you know, in the in the basement of a pub. You know, people from everywhere, from across, from all walks of life. You know, I, I had a great time. Um, and then I had to go to hey penny, which is like total opposite very quiet people were tired you know they they were almost disinterested they were still laughing but it was still they were basically they just want to go home you know like it's, uh, it just drags on uh forever and then um i did and then uh, i went to cork on wednesday to do the the comedy bunker uh, a great room and you know i had a great a fantastic time you know yeah. multiple applause breaks whatsoever and then I went back to Dublin. Uh, so uh, then the thing I had to pull the gig I, I run on Thursday due oh, to no. unforeseen circumstances. And I feel like, you know, there's sort of a, there's sort of like a cosmic balance. You know, like something that works in, in the universe. Things, you know, that you can't allow to have the best of both worlds almost. Yeah. You can't have, you can't have a great run. Somehow one has to be, uh, one has to be balanced by the other, you know. So a, a good gig has to be followed by a, yeah. a mediocre one. There's no, yeah, there's no unbeaten, there's no unbeaten runs in comedy. As soon as you have a good gig, you're just ready for the two gigs that are going to go absolutely dreadful next week. Yeah. It just brings you back to back down from earth. You know, that's the, yeah, the, 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 the sort of stuff. And so your, your gig in Cork, was it nice to visit Monster considering the big game we have this weekend where they're coming up to our neck of the woods? 
I don't know, man. Like it's weird because um, obviously most of the monster action is in Limerick anyway. That's where because that's where it's based. Where it's like in core, people are a bit more indifferent to uh, to the rugby. Uh, oh, what some young boys coming in now? The West Cork Mafia, as they're called, I think. Uh, who, yeah, yeah. Jack Crowley and Co. These new, these new, this new batch of uh, young fellas who are putting Cork back in the monster colours. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, you know the thing about people from core, they they they're very specific on where the boundary of Corks uh, ends. You know, and sometimes people cool. they consider West Cork as a completely <laughs> different thing altogether. But you know, I mean, like it's it's a weird dynamic. You know, obviously you have to don't get me started on the whole uh, where the real capital, whatever. You know. Yeah. Jeez, um, that's yeah, tough. but uh, no, but uh, no, but uh, I I do like monster. You know, like uh, I like. I like the team. I like the the mythology. You know, just uh, just the whole general contrast to Leinster. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, what? You know, can you explain that contrast there, Nia? Do you wanna Do you wanna spell it out know, for Leinster? You know what I mean? Like you know, like you the way you describe you know a, a typical Leinster game. You know, everyone's very polite. Uh, you know, they they're winning all the time, and then but at the same time with Munster, there's a there's a greater sense of there's a greater sense of chaos to it, you know. There's a sense of grit. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not always pretty, but it's endearing, uh, in some ways. This is the issue, I think. Like Leinster, because of their supreme ability and 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 style of play, almost become, uh, they're, they they kind of, they they. I don't know. They almost get a hard time, or they get overlooked because it's kind of like when Leinster wins, it's expected. So yeah. it's almost like the fans don't really. The fans are. There's some of the best games I've ever been to were Leinster games, but they were very tight, competitive games. And mm. I think the issue is, is Leinster only get about four tight, competitive games a season. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, I like, like. Can we just nail this down in terms of the Irish provinces? Do you nail your mask to Munster, or are you just? Uh, are you just here for the love of the game? I uh, see. The thing is about me. I I just love the game in general. I I like all the the four provinces, and I have had exposure to at least three of them. Uh, yeah. As uh, in in some ways, uh, like for example, I've, most of the game I've seen live here has been um, Leinster games. Yeah. I have haven't haven't had the chance to go to Limerick to watch a Munster game yet. Uh, yeah. I've seen Connacht before, uh, particularly in the glory years of twenty sixteen. But oh, it was wow. in a very different different setting. It was in uh, well, that was when I was still living in in Edinburgh. That was around. Yeah. So that's uh, when you when it used to be the the Pro Twelve, and yeah. uh, it was it was it was an all Irish affair. It was Leinster versus. Uh, Did you go to that versus final? And I went to the final. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible! That was yeah. Again, as a Leinster fan, like uh, obviously I would have preferred if we won, but that you you no one could begrudge Connacht how just great that team was. They just. Yeah, no, Pat Lamb, the whole gang, uh, John Muldoon, um, oh. the guy who played it for for the states, uh, the guy who played ten for the states, um, yeah, Buddy Aki, the whole gangs with a, you know, I mean, like the. Uh, Your man's name is on the tip of my tongue. He used to go to AJ McGinty. AJ McGinty, yeah, yeah, yeah. McGinty, yeah, he's massive, like, uh, yeah, also because I remember the way because uh, I sat quite close to uh, to the pitch as well on uh, and uh, the 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 Sky Sports team was on the uh, was in, right in front of me. Uh-huh. You had a uh, Gregor Townsend. You had a uh, uh, yeah Shane Corgan as well, who was really tall. You know, like a, 
really is huge. Yeah, he's huge in real life. I've seen him a couple of times. I always forget, like, because I remember him being tall as a player, but I, you almost forget that they're like, you almost forget how big these people are in real life. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, I, I would be, I would be considered tall by human standards, but in rugby standards, I'm quite short. Like, it's very, it's surprising. Yeah. I know, man. I, I was, it really surprised me that he's a winger. Oh, you know, yeah. Like, he, he, he could have passed for like a, uh, you know, second row, like you know, he could been, yeah, he, he, he could have been in there with like maybe Dunga or Callahan. You know, I think he's guys. too. I think he was too handsome to play second row. Is my honest. No. <laughs> I think that, like he's got that rugged, good charm look about him. Yeah. They called him Shaggy, very endearingly. I think if he played him, I think if, I think that's a difference when you're when your nickname is Shaggy and you play on the wing, people think you're rugged and handsome. When you're playing in the second row and people call you Shaggy, it means you probably haven't showered today. <laughs> you, know, you probably had a few, you know, uh, a few doobie before the game as well. <laughs> oh, he's just such a he's such a man. What a man! So uh, you kind you've an affinity for Monster. You're wearing a France jersey at the minute. You just seem to love the game. I, I love the I love everything about it. Uh, uh, I'm, well, to be fair, though, like uh, I think with like in case I, I love French rugby more than uh, anything else, it's just uh, because this, you know, like I said, uh, that's why I I really enjoy this year's World Cup. You know, first of all, it was in most rugby rugby fanatic country, rugby mad countries mm-hmm. uh, in the world, which has two fantastic leagues. You know, top fourteen and uh, the the pro the pro day the, the pro day the um, yeah. I have at least two books on French rugby, you know, like just the mythology and it captivates me. And also all the names of the teams are quite fun to to pronounce. And, you know, you yeah. have all these amazing players playing in this, all, in all both of the, the amazing leagues. And all, a lot of them played in, in this year's uh, World Cup mm. uh, uh, as well. Yeah. And um, also like, because, you know, I'm from Vietnam and the, and the only like, yeah, I was players thinking- of, the only players of Vietnamese descent, Played it for France. Uh, Francois and uh, Francois and uh, he yes. recently retired. Trudeau yeah, he's uh, yeah, he was Vietnamese. Yeah, his grandfather was a Vietnamese uh, migrant uh, who uh, who moved it to France. In well, it was not he, he didn't move. He was conscripted. Like he was forced to <laughs> to go to move to France. Uh, like at the onset of the Second World War, because so during that so Vietnam was a French colony. At the onset of the Second World War, they conscripted like tens of thousands of like. Vietnamese men to go to France, where they like basically were uh, part of the, the war efforts. So they had to like they did things like they work in factories, munition factories. They grew rice and all of that. Suffered like terrible condition and whatnot. And eventually, after the Second World War, a lot of the men, those men, stayed in France, like including Francois's uh, grandfather. He married like I think he married a, an Italian woman, settled down in the in, in the southwestern part of France, basically in the rugby mad part of France. And uh, you know his his children uh, were basically fully French. They they married, and you know, then uh, this one you had uh, Jinduk, uh, Francois Jinduk. He uh, yeah, so he played. So basically, he came. So yeah, he was like the only uh, uh, French player of. He's the only rugby player of Vietnamese descent that I can that, that I know of. Because that yeah, was that, also that's such a great connection. Because I didn't know that at all. I was thinking at the, I was worried you were just kind of like getting a little bit too colonial with it. And you were kind of like, I, you guys tried pretty hard to get rid of the French. So I was, I oh, was... We, we did no, but I think you know, there's a, there's an effort, there's affinity for French culture. Um, yeah. And you know, a lot of the legacies still uh, are still there. 
Um, well, I think it was on the, on the part of uh, Chen Duk because he he was also a World Cup finalist, which uh, you know, and you know he 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 won a Grand Slam with France, so you know, it, so it really helps with his status status as the uh, as the player. Um, but also I, no- I noticed that because uh, like a couple of years ago he also went back to Vietnam, like and you know he went to visit where he where just just to learn more about his roots, and he was involved with some of the rugby projects that was going on there. Mm. Um, yeah, so the, he, uh, so there was, so you know, he does try to like stay connected with his uh, with his roots. That's good. Cool. Um, but you know, well, what, what the thing that was what, what I like about French rugby is that you know because it's just, uh, I think the problem is that when you look at rugby in like uh, English speaking in the English speaking world, uh, classism class plays such a hu- huge part of it. You know, yeah, big whole, time. You know, with the whole like uh, private school system that produce uh, keep producing uh, players, but at the same time, it also limits like participation within 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 wider within wider society whereas like yeah france is more it's more regional you know it's, it's concentrated in front part of france but then anyone then again everyone can play it from yeah. from, from, from all backgrounds can play it and that's why you know you that's why you get like massive crowds and all those uh before all those french teams because you know like yeah. it, it is some. a people's game over there yeah, I, I I do get what you mean because it's kind of the barrier to entry to rugby can be really high from like yeah depending on like you everything you know it's kind of it's 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 an expensive sport to play because you it, it like unlike football where you just basically need two jumpers and a ball like rugby you need like quite a bit to have a decent bit of fun with it but like it isn't yeah. it's, it's um it is a thing with france i because like i was thinking like players on their team like cameron wokey come from came from a pretty like poor background in saint denis and he's gone on to be like yeah. like yeah. He, he him as a second row he's just he's so good and he's like, this is the thing. Well, I, I also think helps the French case in a lot of things. Like a lot of people love the French because even like Trondu is a great example. Trondu was a good player, but he was also a fun player. You know, he was, yeah. he was either incredibly good or incredibly bad. Like he would come out with some of the stupidest things I've ever seen, or he'd pull off the maddest stuff I ever seen. I always used to love watching yeah. him. Yeah, I think he's uh he's he was basically he was part of that problem with the with the French setup, where it's like <laughs> you know they can be great one day and they'll be terrible the the, the next day, and that was like a perennial problems. I think it was more like a polemic problem within uh, French rugby within uh, French rugby for for a very long time, and that's why they they're not very consistent at like major tournaments. Um, yeah. It was only until like maybe in the last few years or so with like. Fabian and Fabian Gautier and his staff, you know, they was able to achieve some sort of like consistency. Um, and you yeah. know, it, it, and you look at like the last quarterfinal against Africa. It was not because they were like bad. It was only because they, it was down to the to the smallest margin. Uh, Genuinely, yeah, it was incredible. Like the top four teams in the world were so close at that tournament. Like it was, like how often have you have you ever seen it? Like I've seen, I think across my however many years of watching rugby, like one charge down in the history of me seeing it beforehand and then <laughs> and then caught, like and that was just because a guy took a drop goal the guy was right in front of him and it was just a silly kick attempt whereas like like colby makes up what 25 meters in yeah. like under four seconds five seconds like that's that's kind of getting into sprinter territory so like that's how close and it, it was amazing because when I was over, I was over for the World Cup, like the French, like they were so up for everything and they were so mm. excited and you could tell mm. it was, they thought it was theirs and just to lose it in that way, like kind of similar to Ireland, it was just. Yeah, it was pretty painful. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, maybe like speaking of uh, the the Ireland game, uh, because I remember like that night uh, I was hosting a gig uh, down in uh, Chennai where I used, you know, where I hosted yeah. most of my gigs. Anyway, it was Comedians of Borders, and you could hear like, because there was also a band playing upstairs, and you had people watching the game on the other side, mm-hmm. and uh, like. So you know, while I was like hosting, I was doing my hosting, or well, when the comedian hosting, uh, when you could hear, or when one of the comedians were on, you could hear, you could, you could hear like one side that you have the heavy, heavy metal band playing like, <laughs> ah, 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 and then, and then you hear, and on the other side, you could hear people like just like basically screaming at the TV, like uh, <laughs> just like being like terribly disappointed. It was like, oh God, why? I think. Yeah, so, oh man, I because that 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 room in um that room in Chine is so great it's like such a fun room but when like someone's going to the toilet or something and they open the door and you can just <laughs> hear the upstairs noise bleed down and it's just screams it can be does it ever put you off as a comedian if you're just there and you just hear like kind of you're, you're in the middle of your set a door opens and you just hear ah! from upstairs um yeah I, I guess the because we do have like soundproof curtains so it, it helps a bit I think it's only yeah. it's only more apparent when you're like just be, you're behind the curtain you're in the waiting area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, waiting area, you could hear everything from upstairs or like, or you know, obviously you'd be by the by the door and you know some random confused looking woman walking like, oh, what is going on? Yeah. Ah! <laughs> well, I mean, in that woman's defense, the sign to the bathroom points her into a comedy club, and she, <laughs> the amount of women who look absolutely terrified as they yeah. walk into that room is just uh it's so oh god like this is we might we might need to cut that because that sounds dreadful for your business but because <laughs> <laughs> you have to walk through the comedy club to get to the women's bathroom so there is that moment where they open it up they see six comedians who let's be real aren't exactly we're all kind of focused on our own thing we're looking we're like frantically searching notes looking really like you know distressed and uncomfortable and they come in and we all just shoot up going like 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 deer in the headlights going what do you want what do you need and the poor woman's just like yeah need to pee i don't know like especially it was like that night was really hard as well like you know when because i was the thing is that while i was like um you know running the gig and you're making sure everyone's having a good time that kind of stuff i also checking my on my phone like the live update for the game and yeah you know, and seeing the score and all of that and uh and the thing is the guy who works uh who, who works with the bar as well you know, he's a big rugby big rugby fan so you Ooh. could see you could see the dread on his eyes when it's like trying to collect all the empty classes, like, like fucking Ireland, man, or fucking hell, Jesus Christ, you know. Like, I do enjoy your impression of the Irish or that bar staff in particular. It was pretty good, man. It's pretty, yeah. I, oh, thank you, man. I had to give him a hug after uh, after the show was over. You know, like, oh, uh, yeah, it was a it's a very strange uh, evening. Yeah, but uh, the thing is, I didn't, I, 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 I didn't watch either quarterfinals because I had gigs on both nights. So, no, really. So I think, anyway, so I, I avoided the heartbreaks, you know, because I wanted, I wanted Ireland to go through, I wanted France to go through, and because it was same thing like the following day, like I was at, I did a gig at the Haypenny, and I was also checking the score, yeah, for the France game. I was like, oh shit, it was like, it was like this, oh like fuck. Oh, they're scoring. They're, they're taking turn. They're taking turn scoring. Jeez, what, oh, what know, kind of game is this? I think that was the best first half of rugby I've ever seen. It was so good. It was just um, like I've never like I I've never seen a game played that fast or that strong before. Like just the amount of players, yeah. like the collisions they were doing, the, the the skill they were executing at such high pace. Like Dupont had a broken face and still had managed to pull off one of the best performances I've seen from any nine in history. Like it was incredible. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was amazing. Yeah, like uh, he he played his skin out like uh, in in that game. Yeah, he played his cheek off anyway. <laughs> the cheek. Oh man. Oh man. But yeah, that was a. But then again, that's a. But like I said, it came down to the the, the smallest margins. And you know that's why I think um, um, there was a lot of criticism on the French coach for playing Dupont, particularly when they played Dupont in that uh, previous game against Namibia that led to the whole incident. You know, maybe because they were trying to prove up they 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 the the edge against uh, Uruguay playing a second string team, yeah, and, uh, and there was all and you know the public was not happy about it. So somehow they decided to play the uh, a full strength team against a second tier again a second string Namibia team, yeah, just to prove a point that we're oh yeah we're still in it. <laughs> I think there was a bit of like panic, you know what I mean? Oh, big time because it's just like if like, genuinely I I don't like there's no. Th- do you know that uh, this is this is a terrible thing to say on a podcast because it's an audio reference. Have you seen that clip of Michael Owen who's playing football against a child and he scores a series of like he's he's you know a professional footballer lashing a football at a like a small boy as hard as he can. He scores goals and he goes off and he's celebrating. He's giving it large. He's like yeah, he's going mad and the guy who's filming it just goes well done, mate. He's thirteen and it's just. <laughs> It's just a bit when France show up with a full strength team against Namibia, like 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 Namibia with all of the barriers they've overcome to get there, and like yeah. three games in nineteen days. Like I have three gigs in nineteen days, and I feel like I might die. Like it's, <laughs> it's just incredible. Like that, and then they show up, hockey them obviously because of course they did. Because I mean, like if you just yeah. like. I don't know. And then the DuPont going down for it. I, I, do you know what? I genuinely, I don't know what magic they gave him, but I don't really think it was his injury's fault they lost that game. I think that was just who could grab that game by the scruff of the neck more because yeah. it was just absolutely impeccable as a match. Like the best 40 minutes of rugby I think mm. I've ever seen. The second half was so tense, so exciting. Like I was... I watched it at home because I watched the uh, the the first match. I watched the Ireland final out, and I uh, was just the Irish quarterfinal, which we call the Irish final now. Apparently, that was a real Freudian slip, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was the, the Irish. Yeah, I'm like yeah. And we were so depressed afterwards. So I went. I was watching it at home, and I was on the couch, and it was the only thing that gave me life again because I was just I could now I couldn't believe we'd met, messed up. We had like missed this opportunity. And then France come out, France, South Africa, just a perfect tonic for the soul. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like I think it's yeah, it just came down to uh, you know, like in uh, experience, really. Like you know, you see the French team, they're, they're basically they're relatively young, and uh, whereas like you, South Africa, you have at least like all basically more than half the team is made of like four World Cup finalists. Yeah, they know how to win big moments. Um, but also the fact that because uh, a lot of the, the South African guys play in France, yeah, so they know, so they would know more about the French players. Um, like you know, that it, it came down. To, uh, there was that case with the uh, with the charge down, where because Tristan Kobe used to play in Toulouse with uh, Thomas Ramos, yeah, so he knew about Thomas, uh, you know, kicking kicking routine. So down to the t, down to the to the to the minute details of it. So he was able to. So it was just perfect timing. Yeah. He knew what he was going to do. Uh, like it came down to that. Um, but yeah, like I said, but yeah, it's just. Uh, um, 
But yeah, like that's why I mean, it's just down to the smallest margin. But I imagine that French team will have a long way to go. So Nia, you say you have you say I don't know why I've started to accuse you now, but uh, <laughs> say you played this sport. Uh, I'm guilty, man. I'm going. I'm a guilty man. You know. It's just... So Nia, when you were playing, what position were you? Uh, I played a bit of everywhere. Um, because it was like um, la- see the thing is I started the I got into the game quite relatively late compared to everyone in like in the rugby playing world. Yeah, you know, like, uh, because I started playing back in uh, secondary school when I was around oh, cool. uh, around sixteen, really. Like, so okay. my, uh, I moved to a new school, and my and we and we had a, like a rugby club. Oh, we, oh, they they tried to start uh, a rugby club. Yeah, and we struggled for numbers for for weeks, you know. Like, but then he got me into it. That's when I started like learning the fundamentals of the game. But we never really played a, a proper game. You know, which is mostly like yeah. learning how to tackle, learning how to smash each other, learn how to like pass and. All, all of that. It was until when I moved to like uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, when yeah. I had to start uni there that I managed to like a proper team. So I joined like sort of like a it's a society team. Uh, it was part of it was attached to the history society, and we call ourselves the History Boys. Very cool, the History Boys. The History Boys, yeah. Oh yeah. my god! I hope you guys got beaten up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> look, there were teams. There were we play against them with way worse names. You know, like uh, there were the engineers. There were. The young pretenders and all of that, you know, like just uh, oh, Jesus. That's I know, man. man. Look, look, I, uh, I love sorry, I keep talking. I, I still have, I still have the, the, the tie, you know, from uh, from my playing days. So, yeah. Oh, beautiful, yeah, that's 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 a key bit of you got to keep that and for for like all time, uh, yeah. Uh, I was, yeah, because I, I love the I, I love the idea of a university society putting together a team. I think was it this was this like full fifteen asides or was this touch? It was. Uh, I mean, we tried to make it a full fifteen, but obviously yeah. not not. But then again, we lack in we 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 lack depth in certain positions. Yeah. But this is where <laughs> the whole position kind of things came in, right? So because I started like like any newbie to the game, I started on the wing. Sure. Um, not sure. because I was fat, because I didn't know what was going on. What was going on? From least, uh, you know, yeah. from a player's from a player's point of view, so uh, so I started on the wing. I did all right, and then at one point, um, I started playing scrum half because I quite I like the position. You know, like you get to you get to you get your hands on the ball most of the time. Yeah, you can scream at people, you can shout a bit. You know, you can you can be a bit more snarky than you like a bit more sassy than usual. Suddenly, uh, your comedy career makes sense. <laughs> um but yes and um but eventually um at one point they, they started putting me into in, in the forwards uh because just okay. to work on my like contact skill like with tackling yeah and so i started playing and i started so i started somehow started like in the front row for some reason i was playing at props well the, the problem is that when you play in like a society like an intramural yeah. intramural league um you might uh, the thing is that you're not you might not get up like front forwards mm. you might yeah. not get enough props yeah so uh, so all scrum tend tend to be like uncontested. So you can put anyone anywhere. That's why. That's yeah. That's that's gorgeous when you can do that because like anytime you can play, a um, anytime you can play without like cause that's the worst. No one wants to play front row. Like I know no, like probably no, no. played for years. All don't want they well they all want to play ten, but um, the front rows are just it's such an unbelievably painful position that if you can remove if you're going uncontested it's fine you can like yeah, yeah. just be another flanker hanging out there it's great but pretty much yeah, because we had like way more flankers than we needed like most everyone we had everyone we recruited were basically a uh, uh, a back rowers of some for, of some form or another yeah. um 
But yeah, like uh, so, I started. So basically, I was playing a bit of everywhere. Um, I I had a, I had a thing at fullback in training, which was quite fun uh, uh, as yeah. well because you you run from death. You know, like you try to catch the ball. You can you can score from anywhere. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, and um, I remember like uh, eventually. So after after Edinburgh, I moved back to Vietnam for a year. I, I played for a team that it was the only team in in the city I was living in. Uh, it was most it was mostly con- consisted of uh, expats, uh, and we call ourselves the Saigon Geckos. Geckos, oh, I like that. That's a, do you guys have a jersey? We have a. Uh, I don't have a jersey from there, but uh, yeah, basically, uh, it's shaped. You have like it was mainly red, and then there's like a, a little gecko somewhere. You know, like psych- that's incredible. Oh, I love that. It would be really funny if you're if you're red jersey and you had a gecko, but on everyone's jersey it was somewhere else. So it's kind of, you were kind of had to find it. Yeah. Like you're- and uh, we we play like uh, we sometimes we play full people team, but most of the times uh, we play tens. Uh, so okay. tennis, side, tennis side, which is a, a very popular form in that part of the world yeah um, and tennis is basically like a slower version of sevens so you have like five forwards and five backs hmm. and um and we play like in tournaments in uh in like places in in like neighboring countries and in other cities in in vietnam i remember and that's the funny thing right so i was i play in the forwards uh we play in a tournament in, in hanoi and at yeah. one point in, in one game we actually did con- we actually did con- contest a scrum that's when uh-huh. I had, and I was in the front as well. So that's when, that's my first time playing like actual like contested scrum, like in the front, like, hmm. and man, it was like, it was, it was, it was pretty painful. As a, okay, just binding down, like do the whole uh, crowd touch, crowd mindset, you know, all of that. Anywhere in that tight, anywhere in that tight five is uh, like that, the kind of like one through five is essentially being like your body is being squished so that your mouth can touch your anus. Like it is just, the most horrifically uncomfortable thing in the entire yeah. world. I mean, like, yeah, it's just so. Oh, I don't, I don't like. So that's really cool, though. Actually, what kind of countries did you play in? Uh, well, I mean, um, I don't. I think they had like a tournament where they, they did the tournament in Cambodia, but I didn't go because uh, um, I had I had other things going on. But so it it was mainly like uh, they some they sometimes play tournaments in like also in Thailand, uh, yeah. as well. Um, but yeah, but all the all my tournament experience with the team was mainly in other cities in Vietnam. So mainly in the the other big city, Hanoi. So we played cool. two uh, tournaments, and sometimes like uh, we we host like visiting team from like uh, I remember playing a team, against a team from like Hong Kong, another mm-hmm. team from uh, from Singapore. And, okay, you know, that's pretty cool. Were they? Uh, did you get many wins with your geckos? Oh yeah, no, we were pretty much unbeatable. But uh, it was actually we actually we had a really decent team uh, because the last time the last tournament I had with them was the, we actually won the, the whole thing, the whole tournament. Oh wow! Yeah, that's like, great. Do and, you have uh, a trophy? Uh, I don't have the trophy with me, but I have photos from with the team. Uh, so it was almost like uh, basically topless. Well, I mean, I had my like uh, body armor, you know, protective uh, yeah. thing on. Uh, I remember because we were, I didn't play in the final, uh, in so it was a one day tournament. I didn't play in the final, but I played in the I think in in the semi, and I had yeah. like my, my David Polkoff moment where I had like a massive like game winning turnover. You know that moment when it's like beautiful, and when I managed to win a penalty Old for Jackal. yeah, what a Old what Jackal, a, yeah. Oh, those are. There's nothing better than like I think, in terms of uh, 
that that moment where you've just got a jackal penalty to win a game and you just like now i don't know if i've ever got one to win a game but if you get a jackal penalty and you stand up you emerge like like godzilla rising from the ocean yeah. of just ah. look at me <laughs> all of my glory and power like it's so oh it's so good because um, uh remember because after I, I did that so i won the penalty um i gave the ball to, the, uh, to, to another guy so and he did like a tap penalty so it's just yeah. like keep playing, and then we score a try from we score an easy try from we score an easy try from there. So it's just oh, beautiful. It's like a f- ultimate five, like an automatic five points from that point. Such a like such a like. There's nothing more satisfying than you doing the like you've made the turnover to lead to the score. Like it's just that's the kind of thing a coach comes up to you afterwards and goes, you know that try was yours, right? And you're kind of like, I didn't score it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, actually, like the the guy on my the coach on my team came up to me like. Who do you think you are, David Polcock? <laughs> oh, hey. look at this what guy! Look at this guy! Big shot. <laughs> this guy thinks he's so good with this match-winning turnover. That's a uh, oh man, that's what a great like. I love those like great memories you kind of you can get at like any level of the sport. Like, yeah. how would you say your week is prepped in in relation to the average rugby player? Do you think you have to put in as much prep to run these gigs? Um, well, the thing is that we consume very different type of chicken during the during the week. <laughs> Obviously, uh, mine has more skins, and then uh, you know, you need a bit more like dipping sauce <laughs> and very and and less uh, broccoli involved. You can Almost. you can be you can be less restrictive with your diet. Is the difference? <laughs> is, yeah, pretty pretty much yeah. And uh, like in terms of like pre match uh, snack and then post match snacks. Very contrasting. I mean, obviously, because one mind involves more curry sauce with it. You know, <laughs> you're having that's a brave man. So hang on, like you've you've raised a very interesting point that I I, I never thought I would I would talk about. But uh, like Nia, you played rugby before in the past. Yeah, and I have and I have too. So this you just raised a really interesting point of like pre gig meal and pre match meal and how you kind of like have to take on food. Yeah, this is. I like I, I'm I'm amazed, right? Because I and you've been you're 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 a constant professional. You're kind of you're 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 good at running your gigs. You're a great MC, and you know you organize a lot of stuff. But the idea that you would have curry before going on stage is just—is that not flirting with disaster? <laughs> I know friends, friends on my team have occasionally changed up their energy drink or something or have taken a protein shake before a game and had to ask to be subbed off so they could go and take a shit <laughs> you can't sub yourself off if you're the comedian I, I like this is this is baffling to me i just i love this though because i i've been i've been thinking about this for eight, like planning the perfect pre-gig meal is so much harder than planning the perfect rugby pre-game meal because the rugby meal I've got down now, I can figure that out. I know when to have it, but the pre-gig meal, I still don't understand. Look, to be fair though, like uh, it depends on uh, on the gig that I do as well. Like some in some gigs, I would ha- actually eat something, but sometime yeah. uh, because yeah, there will be time where I just forget to eat before a gig, mm. and so you sometimes I just gig uh, on an empty on an empty sp- stomach. Yeah. And do you find when, yourself? Do you find yourself lacking energy in those gigs? Do you think you need a like a little protein kick? Um, like uh, I, I don't know. Um, like uh, I, I guess like when I'm uh, when I'm doing a gig, 
uh, what I'm doing and uh, I, 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 I didn't have anything before that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you could feel the, the tummy rumbling almost. Like, mm. I feel like uh, it, it feels hollow almost. Like yeah. this rumbling is hollow. I guess there's a, there's, a, there's a level of fatigue, but at the same time, because you know, uh, I try to be professional, I try to maintain the presence that um, you know, I still have a lot of energies left within me. And I guess it's sort of like a way is uh, the way I think about it is like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing the work, I'm putting in the work so that I can reward myself later. You know, that's why. Yeah. I, so I, I think more about the the post match uh, meal than I think about the, the pre match meal because sometimes yeah, with pre match meal it's like you don't want to put too much. You know, as the problem is when you put yeah. too much in, your energy level becomes very different. That's when you start slurring your words and. If you go up on stage in a food coma, I mean, like the end, the audience feel it. If you go up there and you're snoozy, they're going to sleep right with you. And you're going to feel you're going to be just wondering, like I you made the effort. You went out of your house into the dark, the cold and the rain. And then you 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 kind of because you've just scoffed a like in your case, apparently a curry. But like in in, like oftentimes I would hit up a pizza slice on the way there. But I really have to time it because. You know, without that, if yeah. that energy hits at the wrong point and you're really, really, you know, you've hit that perfect Zen moment after you've left the stage, you just feel like a complete asshole. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. But do you do like, uh, so what would be the, the what, what would be the difference between your pre-match meal, uh, like pre, pre-match meal and your pre-geek meal? So my pre-match meal, I make sure, so I have to, like, I have a whole routine when I get up in the morning, which is kind of, so uh, my games this year have been on saturday mornings did i say gigs or games my games this year have been on saturday mornings yeah no one no one's going to a gig on a saturday morning that sounds like a terrible time i mean unless Uh, it's at the ember fringe so you know yeah and i mean look those gigs seem incredibly punishing to the poor people who are at them and the poor people who are performing them so i make sure so what did i i usually i get up and i have um I'll wake up and I'll make sure that like if my game is kicking off at three o'clock, I make sure that I'm eating around 12. My pre-match meal is very much dependent on did I remember to go to the shop the day beforehand? Oh, is yeah. You know, yeah, the yeah, level yeah. I'm playing, if you show up, you're kind of like you show up and you've eaten, you're usually good to go. But uh, the difference is, is oftentimes with the gigs because of the time they're at, mm you want to i i have found myself being very cautious about eating beforehand because you kind of either have to eat when you're eat at like you know five o'clock when you're not super hungry or you have to like eat just before you go on stage at say eight or nine and then you're kind of you're just you're sitting there and you can feel it in your stomach and then if yeah. the nerves begin and you're you've got a bit of a nervy tummy because you're going up on stage and you're like oh this could i hope this goes well yeah and you've got a full stomach I just feel a bit like, I don't know. I feel like I, like I, I you, it almost, it's, it's, <laughs> it feels a tiny bit like you're like, Oh God, am I pregnant? I can feel something kick in my stomach. <laughs> so it's very like, I have to make sure. So I've kind of gone the way that I've gone the way of eating after gigs rather than before them. Mm, yeah. Same. Uh, I try and have a good lunch, but then eat after the gig. And that usually involves some amount of fast food consumed very quickly on a walk home. Yeah. So there's different nutritional requirements, uh, but there's the same, the same thing as energy. I have a lot of coffee before I go to, oh, yeah. just, mm. you know, it, it'll, it'll, it'll shift anything that needs to be shifted out of you and you'll feel ready to go and hype. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. The, the thing is that because also, because I run my own gigs and I have to do a lot of like setups. Uh, yeah before uh, the gig starts and you know 
I turn off the bench. And what I do now is that I, uh, I on my way to the gig, on the way to the venue, I would like pick up something, like maybe uh, uh, a Centra, you know, mm. maybe a, a sandwich and a juice. So yeah, sandwich and a juice, and bring it. Uh, I'll eat that like. I'll eat at the venue before I start setting up, just to give me something, something going. Maybe I chew like, also I'll chew like a mint, yeah, like a gum. Yeah, yeah, because you I want to, you want to keep the your your bread fresh for yeah, you, for, for the you're gig. schmoozing with people backstage. You know, those comedian spaces are usually pretty small. You're gonna get pretty. You don't want to be the guy who's like known for having onion bread. So you gotta. Yeah, no, I, 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 I've talked to people with like kebab bread or like. So this is the thing, right? So this happened to me the other day. I was I was at a gig that was I was at an open mic, right? And it, it, uh, just in the middle of the open mic, some dude who had signed up to perform just started to eat a burrito, which like, I, now look, no judgment here because I mean at the same time I too was starving. I had planned to like eat it. I had done it. I was like I knew I was in for a long day, so I had dinner at five on the dot. And it was not a nice dinner. It was very quick. I hammered it and I went off. But I just remember because I was I was sitting by the stage and I heard a rustle and I turned around and your man was sitting on the staircase, just yeah. slow devouring a burrito. And I was like, you're due up in like two goes. What are you doing? Oh, man. Um, look, he performed pretty well. I mean, it was it was a strong set from him and he didn't seem to smell of burrito. So I feel well, the room did afterwards, obviously, but like he. <laughs> He, he like he he gave a good set, and I think maybe maybe we've got this whole nutrition thing wrong, you know. Maybe yeah, burrito is the key to uh, to a strong comedy set. That's a uh, yeah, and that's the advice right there. No, because I remember like uh, I had uh, I remember talking to somebody and they had like a uh, kebab bread, and to the point that you know it it got so unbearable, I had to offer the mint. Like, hey, hey, oh no, you, you need this oh, more than me. Oh, no, you know? that's so upsetting. I know I feel bad for the person as well, but you know. It, just, it has to be done. You have to. You have to be honest. You have to be. That's yeah. what you. Have. Yeah. I also think when when someone when 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 it comes to the stage where someone offers you a mint, I think it's better to take it than to just be sitting in your own embarrassment. You know, like it's kind of like the alternative of like, can you imagine if they were talking behind your back? Like at least with the mint, you know, we all eat food. It it, it sometimes our breath isn't yeah. good. Someone, yeah. You just solve the problem. Just solve it nice and quick. Mm. Um, so we seem to have we uh, this this nutrition talk i think is my favorite thing i've ever discussed at any detail but um well that's all for today thank you so much for listening and if you've liked what you heard be sure to like and subscribe so nia and i can feel better about ourselves you can find us on socials where you can keep abreast of who we're going to have on and where we're gigging and remember never stop trying <laughs>